Hello everyone, Luke, Jack, and Eddie here. And unlike most of my podcasts on the Two True Freaks Network, I'm not going to be talking about giant monsters or horror movies today. I'm going to be talking about something a little more serious. Uh, I'm going to be talking about a men's health issue, specifically my recent vasectomy. Now, uh, that having been said, I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer. This podcast is going to deal with adult themes. And by adult themes, I don't mean that as a euphemism for sex or hanky-panky or anything like that. I mean that this is going to be talking about things that are related to something that as a man you have to address as an adult. And we're going to be using some technical terms, we're going to be discussing a medical procedure. So if you're listening with your kids, you might want to turn this one off and go listen to Comics Monthly Monday or Back to the Binge or something like that. Probably better for the whole family. This is not a dirty podcast. This is something I think we need to discuss, and I'll get into that in a few minutes, but just want to put that out there. Now, our audience is primarily men my age, a little younger, a little older. I'm 33 years old as a recording of this, so I think we're right in, I'm right in the middle of the demographic. I do know that we do have a good-sized base of female listeners, and I want to put this plea out there to our female listeners if you've got this show queued up. Just because this is a men's health issue, I think that it's worth listening to. If you have a significant male in your life, be it a father, a husband, a boyfriend, whatever, it might be good to listen to. And, you know, this is just something I want to put out there so that everybody knows, and it's an increase of knowledge. And I just want to put, say, also, that by talking about a men's health issue, I'm in no way attempting to minimize or ignore women's health issues. Um, I'm recording this in October. October, of course, is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and my mother is a breast cancer survivor. Women's health issues played a big role in my life during that, and I'm a big supporter of American Cancer Society and other breast cancer awareness and other women's health issues, just that I want to talk about this as a men's health issue because I'm a man. Uh, For instance, I love that the NFL does all the pink stuff in October, Though I have to say, getting rid of the pink penalty flags is probably a good move. Cause more confusion than anything else, but that is another issue. So, that having been said, if you're still with me, let's talk about my adventures at the urologist. Now, a little bit of background. As I said, I'm 33 years old. My wife and I have been married for six years, and we have three children. Our youngest was just born this past June, our daughter. And um, our oldest son is four, his brother is two, and uh, their little sister, like I said, is going to be five months in uh, a little bit. So we had discussed my getting a vasectomy, and it seemed like uh, the more we discussed it, this was as big as we wanted our family to be, and this seemed like a responsible uh, move to make at this point in my life and in our point in our, in our marriage and our family. And from a financial standpoint, with our insurance, having had the baby this year, it made sense to do the vasectomy this year from a coverage standpoint, meeting um, deductibles and, and, you know, I'm not going to get into the the, the dollars and cents, but I think you all understand what I mean. It would have cost more and possibly been harder to do doing this in another year. So that was one of the impetus for this. So, uh, you know, in order to fund up a vasectomy... I had to go online and, and Google it, and, you know, it's, you get, you get people that are, don't know what they're talking about sometimes, you get some really clinical stuff, 
And that's kind of the motivation for this show, is I wanted to put this out there for not only Two True Freaks listeners, but anyone who wants to download this show and get some straight talk about this. This is not a procedure that gets a lot of positive attention. You get a lot of jokes, and, you know, I think a lot of men may not be informed about what it entails, and it, it can be frightening. It can be very frightening to think about doing this and, and what all goes into this, and I want to just get this out in the open and, and put it out there for whatever, you know, forever consumption. So I asked around some of the guys I work with that had uh, had the procedure done, got the name of a doctor that had done a few of my uh, work friends, and I made a appointment for a consultation. So go in, and you go into the doctor's office, and you tell them you're there for a consult, and they sit you down. You go into the waiting room. Uh, a nurse comes and gets me a few minutes later. We go into the patient education room, which to me sounds like the patient re-education room. So I'm picturing the clockwork orange. Nothing quite as drastic as that. They give me a couple of books to read. Uh, pamphlets, I should say, not books. Pamphlets used in the actual literal term here, not in a derogatory anti-comic book stance like it normally is used on the internet. And just to read about how vasectomy works, what the procedure entails, um, you know, what all, what to expect before, what to expect after, you know, ju- just some literature to read. So I read over that, and the doctor comes in, and we start talking for a little bit, you know. Are you in good health? You know, do you have children? Why are you doing, you know, why do you want to get a vasectomy? The usual kind of doctory questions that you'd expect. And now, at the consult stage here, the literature described a couple of different methods that are used in performing the vasectomy procedure. And the doctor explained the one that he was going to use, which is the no-scalpel method. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, no scalpels near my scrotum. I'm all in favor of that. And that's basically what he said. This was a method that was developed uh, many years ago. It's very widely used, and it has no stitches involved, It uh, quicker healing time than the scalpel method. So this is what we were going to go with. Now, the way that this works, and here's where I'm going to get a little bit, I'm doing air quotes up to the mic here, graphic, uh, in describing how this works. Now, the way that see that uh, sperm gets into semen is from the two tubes called the van's defrons. If you remember your fifth grade health class, you may remember this, that the testes produce sperm and hormones, and then the sperm is traveled up from the van's defrons and mixes with the semen during ejaculation. This is the real nitty-gritty dirty stuff here, huh? Now, the way that the vasectomy works is that, especially the no-scalpel way, they find the van's defrons, they numb the skin over them, and then the van's defrons tube itself with an anesthetic, a local anesthetic, an extremely sharp clamp is then used. Now, the clamp puts a very small puncture wound in the skin of your scrotum, and they pull out the van's defrons, okay? Now, they're numbed at this point. Then, uh, a section of the van's defrons is taken out. The van's defrons looks like a piece of spaghetti. Uh, For all intents and purposes, that's what it looks like. And then stainless steel, very, very small stainless steel clamps are put on uh, two sides. And then that middle section, in between the two clamps, after the clamps are good and tight, is cut out. And then put back inside. Now, that section, that length that's cut out, uh, when that's removed, obviously when the vans is put back in, they physically separate, and then they've got the stainless steel clamps. This is done for both of the vans, and the idea is that the sperm is still produced by the body, but during ejaculation, it does not travel into mixing with the rest of the semen. 
So you still produce semen, your, um, uh, or ejaculation happens the same way, it's just it doesn't have any sperm. Sperm makes up a very small percentage of the ejaculate uh, that is produced. This is done for both sides, like I said, and then um, you heal up, and that's it. And then there's a certain amount of sperm that's already active in your system, uh, and that is going to be... Basically, you have to come back. You're not immediately sterile. You have a length of time, the length that uh, that was normally that they want to check you after is eight weeks. After that time, they check you to see for sterility. And from there on, they just keep checking until you get a clean, no sperm uh, reading from the lab. So that was it. I asked if I had any questions. Uh, you know, I asked a few things just about logistics. He gave me a Valium. And he said that to take the Valium on the day of the procedure if you feel nervous. That some men get really anxious about it, and the Valium's just there to calm your nerves. And the other thing he said was you do need to shave your scrotum, which was a first for me. Um, I'm Italian. I'm definitely lie. I'm, I'm a pretty hairy individual. But they said just shave it, and he showed on the, not on me, but on the uh, literature, just generally where you need to clean it up just for access. So, did the said, did the uh, consultation. Felt fine. You know, I, I understood the, product, the, the procedure. Understood what was going to happen. And, you know, I, I felt ready. Psychologically, I felt good about it. I love my family. I don't, I don't want my family to get any bigger. I don't want my wife to have to continue taking birth control. You know, you know I mean, birth control can have different impacts on the female body. It can cause hormonal, um, you know, ebbs and flows. It can, you know, there's different, different things can lead to different uh, results for different people, obviously. So, but this was what my wife and I discussed, and, and we thought this was the right thing to do. And that's kind of the key thing at this stage. If, if you're a single individual and you either have children and you don't want any more children or you don't want children, that's your decision. It's your body and, and you can make that call. If you're married, though, you really need to talk about this with your, with your spouse and make sure that everyone's in the same boat. And I'm not going to lie. You know, my wife did say that after it was done that she felt a little sad there wouldn't be any more babies. But by the same token, she doesn't want any more babies, you know. You can always find somebody with a baby if you need a little baby time. But we've got a little baby in the house, so we got a lot of baby time right now. So, do the consult. Take about an hour, all told. So, day finally comes. And uh, just for uh, to understand the timeline, this is on Tuesday. Not this past Tuesday, but it's on Tuesday that I'm getting the procedure done. So I get up. Time about, you know, normal time I go, and, and my doctor said he'll, he, my appointment was for 8.30, because he does the vasectomy first thing in the morning, so that you have the full day to rest up and heal. So I get up, I, uh, you know, I shave my, my scrotum, and I take a shower, get myself cleaned up, I get a fresh pair of boxer briefs, um, wear either briefs or boxer briefs, don't wear boxers. Basically, you want to keep everything snug in there after the procedure, and, uh, and I'll get to that in a bit. So I got I, I broke out a fresh pair of boxer briefs, put that on. My wife drove me to the appointment. Now, as it turns out, my son also had a appointment with his doctor, so they dropped me off and they went to his appointment and they came back to pick me up. So we get in, or I get in, I should say. Say so I sit down in the waiting room and wait. A couple minutes later, nurse comes and gets me. They come, they weigh me, they take my blood pressure, and then take me back to the procedure room. 
the nurse asked me a couple of times if I needed to go to the bathroom. Said if you need to go, now is the time. So I didn't have to go, but you know how it is when somebody says you gotta go, otherwise you're not gonna have a chance. Suddenly have to go. So I went to the bathroom, and they said, okay, we well, go ahead and get undressed. So I got undressed from the waist down, and I uh, just you know sat down on the table. A couple minutes later, doctor came in. You know. And, I, and my doctor is, uh, he, he's kind of a jokester. He says, what are we doing here today? The sex change? <laughs> I said, no, sir. No, we are not. So, but he's, he, he was, he was very good. So, go in and, uh, sit down on the table. And I lay down and, uh, now this part was, this part was a bit of a surprise because he didn't mention this, but in retrospect, it makes sense. Um, he took a kind of a double-sided rubber band, two rubber bands tied together and hooked one onto a clamp that he hooked onto my shirt, and then took the other side and wrapped it around my penis. Not tightly, but enough to basically keep my penis up out of the way while they were working. Again, not something that was mentioned. It was a bit of a surprise. Wasn't painful, just a surprise. But it makes sense, if you think about it. So, you know, every couple of minutes he asked me how I was doing, and... Uh, I was fine, he said. I, was, I wasn't really nervous at this point. I was just, just ready. I was in a good mental place. So take some alcohol and clean all the area up, clean it up. And then the starts on the left side. And the first shot that you get uh, of anesthetic goes into the skin. And that actually didn't hurt, um, other than just a little pinch from the needle. I'm, I'm not... I don't have a big problem with needles. One of my very good friends in college had a huge problem with needles uh, to the point that he couldn't watch a movie or a TV show that had someone getting a shot with a needle. So if you have an aversion to needles, that's something, again, to discuss with your urologist if you're going to get this done. Uh, I don't know if there's another option, but there there is got to be some kind of mitigating, excuse me, mitigating way that they can do that. So the first shot goes into the skin, and that didn't really hurt. Now, the second shot, and, and my doctor had warned me about this, this is the part that hurts. And it's not like, how do I put this? If you've ever been kicked full on in the junk, it hurts a lot less than that. Now, what this is, the second shot is and is the needle right into the vans. So, it's a very quick electric jolt up that side of your body right to your spine. And, and for a minute, you're like, Ugh! But it's, it's literally just a second, and, and then it's okay, basically, just, just as right as the needle hits it. And it's, like I said, it, that is the most painful part of the entire thing, is that little shot right there. And, and honestly, I was expecting it to be worse, but it's, it's just a quick little jolt of pain, and it hurts, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's very manageable. So after the injections, we wait a few minutes to make sure everything was numb. And, you know, I felt around, said, can you feel this? So I can feel a little bit. So I gave a little bit more anesthetic. On the second shot, I didn't feel anything. So, now, I, how do I put this? I like the human body to be in one piece. So, I looked at his head or the ceiling during the procedure. I did not bend down and watch him do this to me. Uh, during my wife's C-sections, during the first C-section, um, her obstetrician asked me if I wanted to come around the other side and see. I was like, no, no, I like my wife in one piece, and I like myself in one piece, so I will stay on this side. Thank you. But, I mean, if you really want to see it, I'm sure you can. I mean, you're you're just numbed locally. You're free to move around. So, 
So, okay, so we, uh, you know, I'm, so, you know, I feel a little bit of a pull on the rest of the non-numb part of my scrotum, and I can see his hands working, you know, and it's nothing. I don't feel anything. I'm just, it just, there's somebody working down there, and I don't know what's going on because I'm not watching his hands. But there's no pain, and there's not, you know, it's not like when you get your teeth drilled and you can feel smoke coming out of your mouth or anything like that. It's very quick. And took about 15 minutes, all told, for the first side. Same thing on the other side. Again, the only part that hurt was getting that second shot. And then again, it was all done. And after about half an hour, he said, okay, you're looking great, you're done. And it was a bit like, wow, really, that's it? But, you know, I, I mean, I knew that mentally, but to actually be there, I mean, half an hour goes by pretty quick if your mind is occupied, you know? So... Um, so I, I just I sat up a little bit, and he showed me the, the pieces that he cut. And like I said, it looks like little spaghetti. And he showed me, with an extra stainless steel clamp, how he did the clamping on the end. And um, packed me up with some, some gauze. Because there's going to be... You're not bleeding, but you are oozing a little bit. It's just two little tiny puncture wounds. There's no stitches or anything like that. So it's just from the oozing of a the little bit of blood. Packed me up with gauze, helped me get my, my briefs on. And then I got dressed, and... That was it. I was done. Now, there is some aftercare, and I got a couple prescriptions. At first, it was for an antibiotic, which I said, you got to take this. Just take it for twice a day for three days. And then the other they gave me was for a uh, pain medicine. And they said, this is just in case you need it. The doctor recommended just taking Advil, uh, you, know, as, you know, a couple of times a day as needed. When I remember when I got my wisdom teeth taken out, I did fill the pain prescription. I ended up not using it that much, so I didn't even bother to fill the pain uh, prescription from this one. The main thing, though, and this is the main instruction, is you got to get home and get off your feet. So I, I went out to the uh, the waiting room, and at this point, I'm still numb, so I don't feel anything. I feel like a million bucks, you know. And I wait on my wife, and um, when they get back, and we ride home, and I just go upstairs and kind of barricade myself in in our bedroom, got some pillows on the bed, and sat up and uh, got the ubiquitous bag of frozen peas, which I wrapped in another plastic bag, and got on there, do, you know, usual, 20, 20, 30 minutes on, 20, 30 minutes off, you know, just to keep the swelling. And I just sat in bed, and I read comic books. I read some 90s Ghost Rider, and I read the actually very cool Star Wars graphic novel Shadows of Endor, which I will be doing a uh, recording, a review of for Star Wars Monthly Monday. So keep your eyes out for that. And and that was it. And I didn't. I took some ibuprofen, or Advil specifically, and but I was fine. I was able to get up, walk around. I could use the bathroom, no problem. Uh, you know, but it mostly just stayed off my feet. The main thing was don't do anything strenuous. Just relax. You're healing. You know, take it easy. So. Like I said, I just stayed in bed, read comics. Not bad day, all told. Um, that night, I took the gauze off. There was some some blood, just some you know, some oozing blood, and I was very and you're very swollen down there. So yeah, that that's the main thing is the swelling, and it can get a little sore. If you're sitting in one spot for a while, when you get up, you're kind of achy. So it's not a stabbing pain, kind of just an ache which is where the, the, the snug briefs come in, keep everything in place there, and it's not bouncing around as much as less pain. Now, that was Tuesday. Wednesday, 
at work, I had a training, a three-day training that I had to go to, so I had to go in. And honestly, even if I didn't, I would have gone in because I felt fine. Now, the whole area was bruised. Scrotum was very black and blue, which again is normal. Uh, a little bit of sensitivity at the two uh, puncture spots, but not bad. Just a little pinch every now and again if they got rubbed the wrong way. So I took some ibuprofen with my breakfast, took one with lunch. I was fine all day. Now, admittedly, I have a job where I'm in an office uh, at presently. Last year at this time, I was on a job site, and I was moving around and lifting stuff and all that. If you have a very physically active job, you might want to plan on taking the day after procedure off just to see how you feel. And then the day, the, sec the second day after, you'll probably be fine. But if you've got an inside job, or, you know, you work in an office, or even if you work outside but you're, in a, you're not doing a lot of physical work, then you'll probably be fine to go back the day after. Um, as I said, that continued for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So I just, I took a couple Advils. I needed them. I never felt really bad. It never got worse than just kind of a dull ache. And even then, that was only if I was sitting for a while and then getting up. Uh, sleeping was fine. Um, you know, everything else was fine. There's no other impacts. Um, a week after, you go back just for a follow-up. They'd make sure everything's okay. You know, just gives you a quick once-over. And that's it. You're all done. Except for, of course, as I said, uh, they got to give them a sample in a couple of months to test your uh, sterility. And that's that's no problem. That's just, uh, you know, fill the cup kind of thing. <laughs> if you understand what I'm getting at. So, I mean, that was it. And it's it's not something to be scared of. The pain is not anything. Let me put it this way. When I had my wisdom teeth taken out, the pain in my mouth, when I stopped being numb from that, put the pain from this to shame. I mean, the pain of my wisdom teeth being removed was just... I mean, it got to the point where parts time, it was unbearable. It's absolutely unbearable. Um, whereas with this, like I said, I felt a little sore for a couple of days, but, you know, by Monday... Heck, even by the weekend, it was like nothing ever happened. If I, I didn't think about it unless I, I happened to, you know, stand up like, oh, that's that's a little sore. But it's like, oh, okay, I remember. But now we're looking at, as I'm recording this, a week and a couple days after, it's like it's like nothing ever happened. So this is not something that be a, to be scared of, to be afraid of. And, you know, as, as men, we have a hard time admitting to fear like that, especially fear of pain, because... We're conditioned not to express fear of something as trivial as pain. But when it comes to your, you know, your genitalia, that's a very real fear and a real concern. Now, the other questions that, uh, that I, I saw a lot online, and I know I had, was, will this affect me sexually? And the answer is no, other than you won't be able to impregnate somebody once you're cleared to be sterile. And... You know, that, that is, again, a real concern I had, is would it impact, you know, my drive, uh, performance, any of that stuff? And the answer is no. The answer is, is no. So that's, again, not something to be concerned about. So that was why I wanted to do this and why I wanted to talk about this today and just put it out there so that, you know, men, if this is something you're considering, if it's something you, you maybe something you've never considered and now you're thinking about it because you think this might be the responsible thing for you to do, as as a as a man and as a family man, as a husband and a father, or just as an adult, as an adult man. And that's, you know, again, 
if that's your decision, that's your decision. But I, I, I'm not telling you to do do one thing or not do anything. What I'm telling you to do is just here to help you get educated and informed. That's where I'm coming from with this. So, um, as I said, if anyone has any questions, wants to talk about it for whatever reason, go ahead and send me an email, uh, earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. I promise I won't read the email on Earth Destruction Directive unless you want to, you know, want me to, and then that's fine. But I would assume that you don't. But if you want to talk about it, have any questions, concerns, you know, uh, go ahead. I and mean, if I can help you, I, I gladly will help. You know, like I said, when I started this, I would have liked to have had somebody, a contemporary, so to speak, that I could have asked these questions to rather than look it up on the Internet. So uh, I know that. You know, we don't, you know, th th this relationship that we have as podcasters and listeners, and it's all symbiotic, and, and not in like a venom sort of way, but it's symbiotic in that we're all the same. We're all from the same group. Those of us that record, those of us that listen, the podcasters are listeners, the listeners are podcasters. We're all one big community, and if I can help out the community with something like this, then uh, I, I want to be able to do that. So thank you very much for listening. That like I said, if any questions or anything you want to, you know, ask about it or concerns or whatnot, I'm glad to help. Earth Destruction Directive at Yahoo.com. And until then, I would say keep them stomping, but again, no giant monsters. So stay healthy out there, guys. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all. Tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf. And you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode. With your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our brand new website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. -T -T -E you can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me... Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.
we were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this. 